Picture the scene. South Bronx, 156 between Melrose and 3rd Avenue. A knock comes to the door of the church, and this guy says to me in Spanish, I need $30 to get a tattoo. I'm like, that's one I have not heard before. What's your story? The story of our neighborhood is that when the Bronx was burning, it was burning all around us. South Bronx, Fort Apache is the neighborhood that eight Franciscan friars felt called to go and to serve Jesus there. It's these men that I met when I was in college and uh, something grabbed a hold of me. And I think that something is what gave me the grace to listen to a guy who thought the church was giving out donations for tattoos. He was a gang member. He had wandered into a, a Catholic church one Sunday and there was, there was this preacher there who was preaching. And he said, the words were burning in my heart. His life began to change. But one doesn't just leave the gang. He had to send word back to headquarters and word came back that he could leave for religious purposes, but he had to remove the signs of his affiliation from his body. I'm like, what signs? And he pulled down his lower lip and right there, this is before Wakanda forever, you know, and uh, it was tattooed the number of his gang. He's going to tattoo over it. I asked, when is the meeting? He said, tonight. I said, what happens if like, you show up and it's not a race? They were going to kill him. And all of a sudden, his, his voice began to raise as he said, you know what? You Christians need to be more who you say you are. You, you, you Christians say that you help people and stuff. I have been to every church in the Bronx looking for $30. Man, when I was in the gang, I had everything I needed. I had money. I had places to stay. I've been on the streets since Jesus has been in my heart. And when I turned to his followers, they'll turn their back on me. Man, I just need $30. Relax, I said. I got to get permission from, from my headquarters. I gotta, and I'm going to take you myself. I quickly got permission and asked the brother to come with me. And he said, where are we going? I'm like, mm, trust me. We show up to the place, shady, negotiate a price. And as the guy's going in, I say, hey, there's a Bible study at the church that you were at that Sunday, tomorrow. I'll see you there. And he nodded. And I was like thinking, for $30, this man's life was saved. But for 30 pieces of silver, another man was sold to his death. But death would not have the last word. What is this something that can sometimes grab a hold of our hearts and just like <sighs> burn? Those who know, know that it's not something, but someone. And this someone is Jesus, the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power and making purification for sins. He now sits in majesty in heaven. Okay. But sometimes like we live in times that it's hard to, to know what to do with that. You know, it's like foreign. We need someone to show us in their flesh how. And so for those of you who feel this call, I propose to you the Franciscan option. The Franciscan option is the belief that the radical Christ-centered incarnationalism of St. Francis renewed in those called to engage society has the power to transform the world. Maybe you're like, Francis? 
Like the guy who talked to Bird. Yeah, there's, there's more to the story. He was born in 1182. Uh, rich man, worldly party, king. And he had a conversion. And he just gave his life completely to Christ. The real Francis was a poet, mystic, reformer, religious founder. He stared down man-eating wolves and tamed them. He stood before the powerful popes and caused them to listen. He shocked the world when he went before the sultan and invited him to be baptized. He treated dying lepers like kings. He inspired sinful priests to change their ways. He bore the marks of the crucified on his body. And yeah, he spoke to birds too. Okay, so like, what does this have to do with us? I mean, like, we have our own problems today, right? <laughs> True. See, St. Francis gave us a template to engage a world that's grown cold. There's other templates. Rod Dreher, in his book, The Benedictine Option, says basically that, that, the, that we must step back and better form Christians in this environment that is inherently Christian. There's, there's tons of historical precedent for this, but but what about those who are called to bring Christ to the world today? I mean, forget the world. What about my own family? Francis would say that we need to incarnate Christ in, in our lives. You see, Francis was broken. You read his writings, he had a, a, a low image of himself. And he gives those of us who struggle with the same things a way to bring the world what is most important. Okay, so give me a structure. George Weigel, in a January 2017 edition of First Things, says that it cannot be an academic model because we are so intellectually damaged. It must be of the Franciscan mode that puts personal witness first. Dr. Lawrence Cunningham of Notre Dame says that it's a lay movement, supremely orthodox truly poor, zealously evangelical, and totally committed to the social and religious vision of Catholic Christianity. But let me break it down like we would in the Bronx, okay? Uh, the Franciscan option is the Holy Spirit on fire in your heart. If you don't know where to start, let me give you a gist. You got to be with the church that loves the Eucharist. You got to be the door and love the poor, and you got to be the flavor. You got to be the sauce. And take joy and embrace your cross. Picture the scene. Tuscany, 1209. Tuscany known for its landscapes and its mushroom cuisine. A guy who was looking for direction wanders into a dilapidated church and, and is looking for an answer. And then after praying weeks on end, the answer comes. And a voice announces, Francis, rebuild my church, for as you can see, it is falling into ruin. And he heard this three times, probably because like, you didn't want Francis to think it was a bad mushroom he ate or something. And, and he began to work. He began to like, pick things up. Now, God had a bigger plan for what he was saying, but it was important that Francis started where he was at. You, you, you know, like, it feels like sometimes in the church, we talk a lot about what to do. And it lives and dies in conference rooms. Francis began to work where he was. Then people followed him. Then he went to the Pope. He didn't just like show up to the Pope 
after getting the vision and said, excuse me, Holy Father. I don't know why I'm doing an English accent. <laughs> the Lord appeared to me and he has given me the vision to correct all of our waywardness. He began to work. And then he went to the Pope. And the Pope received him. And then promptly dismissed him. <laughs> then the Pope had a dream. He saw St. John Lateran Cathedral crumbling. And a little man propping it up on his shoulder. And he saw that this little man was Francis. The next day, the Pope calls Francis in and, and approves his way of life right then and there. This is more significant than it may seem. Because there was a lot of itinerant preachers that day, but few, if any, were seeking papal approval. Francis was not going to go on without the church. You see, you see, his ecclesial sensibility was, was one that he could at once seek approval from the church and at the same time call it to reform and renewal. See, community for Francis was, was in the heart. Communion is at the heart for Francis. He said in his testament, and the Lord gave me brothers. And he did all this stuff with his early brothers. This is some crazy stuff, man. They would like go into plazas and like dance around and sing. One time they were like preaching on how Jesus was naked on the cross. And so what did they do? Yeah. <laughs> and and, and, and they, they, they did the first live nativity scene, brought in the live animals. And people were so filled with joy. They, they would see um, unkept churches and they would clean them up and they insisted on beauty they called people to personal reform why because of the incarnation the eucharist for francis was his heart he wrote more about the eucharist than he did about anything else more than poverty more than the beauty of creation this is key because in the time that he lived it was like a lot of Gnosticism, Manichaeism, separating the spirit and the body, and just kind of like saying that this is the view of humanity. And we kind of have our own contemporary versions of this today. Luke, join the dark side, Luke. The red pill or the blue pill? It's my body, it's my choice. We're reading books called Homo Deus, and it's happening again. Pope Francis in his encyclical Fratelli Tutti, says it's a deconstructionism. And it's like a voice is speaking to young people that's saying, forget your traditions, forget the teachings of your elders, and then replaces a worldview with one that this voice gives. He says, it needs the young people to be shallow and distrustful so that this voice can replace this worldview. Francis, he believed that the church was the bride of Christ, even though the church is flawed, but Christ is a faithful husband. He knew that the Holy Spirit was working through the cross. He knew that reform would come through the church and not in spite of it. Those who are living the Franciscan option live with these same convictions. Love of the poor. A seminal event in Francis's life when it was when he was um, still going through his conversion, and he was riding his horse on his father's land, and he comes across this leper. And uh, the leper says, for the love of God, alms for the poor. Francis's nose said, get out of there. But his heart said, help. So he got off his horse and 
grabbed the leper's hand and put his money bag there and looked in his eyes. And in a moment, what was bitter had become sweet. His entire life was changing. Turns around, gets back on his horse. And then when he looks back, the leper was gone. And he knew that it was Jesus. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus teaches that in the end, it's going to be the sheep and the goats. He's going to tell them, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was naked, I was imprisoned, and the sheep you helped, the goats you didn't. When did we help you? When you did this to the least of my brethren, you did this to me. Jesus is very clear. You cannot separate the revelation of Christ from this love of the poor. I say love more than checking a box. You know, uh, sometimes we serve the poor just to feel better about ourselves. The poor do not exist for our own meditation. We're meant to see them as our family. And in remedying their need, we realize our own poverty. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus tells the rich young man, go sell everything that you have and then come follow me. This evangelical counsel for the Franciscan option is something necessary because it's not like some Marie Kondo, like I'm going to give all the stuff that doesn't fit me anymore away. It is seeing everything as a gift and knowing what you do not really need. This changes the way you see the world. You see see it as a blessing. You see people, not as problems, but as uh, places uh, where God is going to provide. Our world needs this perspective right now. So for the Franciscan option, Love of the poor is starting in those ways. Joy in the cross. Francis was praying a 40-day fast and he, he received a vision of an, a seraph angel burning and crucified. And this vision left on his body the marks of Jesus. What does this mean? Well, in Colossians Chapter 1, verse 24, we read, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the church. Francis can help us to understand what this means. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I don't like take joy in my sufferings. Like, "Ah, I'm suffering! Yay! No, no. Uh. But when we bring our pain to the cross, we give God the chance to glorify himself. Let me explain. A couple years ago, I was in seminary studying for final exams, and it was my birthday, and nobody remembered. Like, not even my mom called me. I'm like, it's all right. I'm a grown man. I'm good. I'm good. But it stung a little bit, you know. The next day, we were studying for the exam, and a knock comes to the door, and it was Bob. Bob was a guy who struggled with drugs, and we would always get him food, you know, help him out. And the brother opens the door, and Bob says, it's my birthday today. And the brother said kindly, happy birthday, Bob. Let me get you some food. He runs to the kitchen. And I heard that. I'm like, bro, 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 bro. We got to do something. Uh, we got to study for our exam. No, no, no. Come on. Let's just do something real quick. I find like a muffin in the kitchen. We didn't have birthday candles. So I run to the chapel and I put a big old candle in the muffin. We light it. And then we come to the door singing, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. And Bob started crying, weeping. 
He said, no one has sung that to me in over 10 years. We closed the door. The brother looked at me like I was really holy or something. It wasn't that. I was forgotten for one day and I gave that to God. He was forgotten for 10 years. God wanted to do something with my pain. This is joy of the cross for the Franciscan option. The Franciscan option. We love a church with the Eucharist as the center. We go out and love the poor and we see the joy in the cross. Back to the Bronx. It was the next day. And I went to the Bible study. We were waiting for the guy to show up. And, and I shared it with a, his story with a couple of the people who were there. And then he comes. And he was relieved, but he wasn't smiling. He was wearing the same thing. And then I asked him how it went. And, and, and then this, this man interrupts me. And he was a man who was a new father. He, they just had a baby. And he says, Father, this man can stay in my home. I was like, are you sure? Do you want to talk to your wife first? And he said, me and my wife have been in prayer and we felt the Lord put on our heart that there's someone that we need to help. And I know that this is him. My wife will agree with me. I was stunned. Not so much that a young family would receive a homeless man, but that a wife would agree with a husband. <laughs> See, my brothers and sisters, there's something burning in their hearts. The world needs this burn. So I leave you with one question. Where is your Bronx burning? You know, the name of the talk, this talk, is like the worst title. Hey, it shouldn't be the Franciscan option. It should be the Franciscan necessary. Because the world needs this fire. The world needs us to burn. Thank you. Thank you.